Welcome to Connecting with Coincidence with psychiatrist Bernard David Beitman, MD. Dr. Beitman is the founder of the Coincidence Project. The project encourages people like you to tell each other coincidence stories. To learn more about Dr. Beitman's work, put Connecting with Coincidence in your web browser. You'll find his book, his Psychology Today blog, and the interviews from this podcast. And now your host, Bernard Beitman, MD. Welcome to Connecting with Coincidence. I am your host, Dr. Bernie Beitman, MD. Yes, this is CC with BB2.0. If you wish to support us here at Connecting with Coincidence, please like and subscribe because uh, numbers to increase our numbers uh, and increases our reach. Those of you watching us on YouTube, uh, write us one of your coincidence stories in the comments sections. We will reply. Many people ask me, what's the difference between synchronicity and serendipity? Our guest wanted to know something about that himself. After all, I include both of them under the title of Meaningful Coincidences, which, by the way, will be the title of my new book coming out next fall, 2022, uh, Meaningful Coincidences. Both synchronicity and serendipity involve a surprising match between mental events and physical events. Thoughts somehow match an unexpected object in the environment. They differ in their attribution of agency. Who or what did it? Serendipity emphasizes personal responsibility. As illustrated by one of my favorite serendipity phrases, the dog that trots about finds a bone. Which means you got to do something to make it happen. That's what it means. You got to move around. Synchronicity emphasizes the mysterious, the greater consciousness, the universe. God is the primary agent, something outside of us. You don't have to choose. Rather, try to estimate how much you had to do with it and some, how much mystery there is that had to do with it. Our guest today is Mustafa Wahid, who is an award-winning entrepreneur and managing director of Mustrex, a global innovation firm. Mustafa is passionate about teaching practical wisdom that can help people make a change in your life fast. Mustafa enjoys teaching as an adjunct professor at the world-renowned Johns Hopkins School of Education, where he encourages innovation and entrepreneurship in Chinese graduate students. He loves serving as Loyola University, Maryland's first ever startup executive in residence. That's a skeleton of what you do, Mustafa. Why don't you tell us how you got into it and tell us something about more about what you do as a teacher of entrepreneurship. Sure. Uh, Bernie, first, thanks for having me on. Uh, I'm excited to talk a little bit more about what I get a chance to do. I like to say that I spend a lot of time bringing ideas to life and teaching people how to do the same. And a lot of that breaks down from my own experiences being an entrepreneur, but specifically, you know, it really started from being first in my family to go to college. And there are a lot of things that I wish I had known. And along the journey of building things, you find a lot of different resources. And, you know, I have the pleasure of teaching at Hopkins. I get a chance to work with some of the best entrepreneurs in the world. 
And we end up having conversations, whether it's, hey, how do I delegate? How do I manage? How do I coach? How do I raise capital? So I kind of cover the gamut and bring these to life with entrepreneurs. And so it's been fun to you know, pass on knowledge that I wish I had and also get a chance to work with amazing individuals such as yourself to grow something of their own. Well, thanks, Mustafa. And we'll, we'll, we'll get to that. But uh, I mean, I think it's fascinating to know that you can teach entrepreneurship. It used to be like, hey, let me, I got this idea. Maybe I'll stumble my way along and see if I can make it happen. And yeah. that's kind of the way people did it. I think Facebook happened that way. It's like they didn't, they didn't have a... They didn't have a pathway. They had Harvard. Yeah, it had something to do with it. I don't know what Harvard does, but it makes sure. stuff like that happen. But now you teach it. Mm -hmm. uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about some of the basic principles that you try to convey to people uh, about entrepreneurship, kind of a little intro to entrepreneurship understanding and doing of course. So I, I actually love that you brought up the example of, let's say, Facebook or even teaching entrepreneurship. You know, there's a lot of people in either camp where it's like it's either nature versus nurture. They think they're just kind of born an entrepreneur. And to that, I say it's good. But if we look at modern science and the field of epigenetics, which is basically it's nature times nurture. Uh, most people, humans are really resourceful by nature. It depends on where you're searching and where you're looking. So the first thing I help the students do is just kind of tap in to go, what are some examples of resourceful things that you've seen in your life? And that's, you know, I, I can't wait to get to this in the conversation, but it ties into coincidences and synchronicities. You know, the right thing at the right time shows up. So one of the basic principles we cover, there's a big fancy title for it. It's called effectuation, but we don't need to know the fancy title. What we need to understand is this concept of, there are serial entrepreneurs, people who have built more than one company. And there's actually a decision-making process that a researcher studied uh, hundreds of serial entrepreneurs and broke it down into this principle called effectuation. And a simple way to think about it is you start with your means, which the start acronym- with, You start with what? Your means. Basically your, your, what you have. What you have. Okay. okay. Yeah. And the acronym for it's so simple, which is ink, like ink in a pen. So the I stands for identity, who you are. The N stands for network, who you know. And the K stands for knowledge, what you know. All great entrepreneurs, serial entrepreneurs, end up starting with those three things and then work from there and find and grow all of the resources that they have. Describe that ink again for us slow thinkers. <laughs> so... Inc. is an acronym for your means, basically things that you have, so you can start from there. So the I stands for identity, who you are. The N stands for network, or who you know. And the K stands for knowledge, what you know. So in the case of Facebook, right? So you look at identity in terms of Mark Zuckerberg. He had a background. His parents were, I, I believe his parents were dentists. So he had that if he was a son of dentists, he got a chance to really see his parents build things as well. His dad was a tinkerer in terms of network. Obviously, the Harvard network helped. That's why there's the movie. And then the knowledge, he was a fantastic computer programmer. So he built Facebook from having those kind of resources and working in that direction. Now, if you notice, that's also why he didn't build Chobani. He had no experience of working with Greek yogurts. So he didn't go in that direction. Oh, the yogurt. You referred to yogurt there. Yep. Okay. Yep. I missed that one. Yeah. So, so Chobani it, yogurts are okay. fantastic. So here 
you start with what you bring to it. It's kind of like a past thing and yep. what you, what you have developed, uh, but that's who you are is kind of a complex thing. You know, I study people, I'm a therapist, so I have to, what do you, who, who is this? And there's a lot of ways of thinking about it, but what, what is it from your past that you have that sets you up for the ability to do something? The network is so important and more and more important these days uh, as we recognize our interconnectedness with each other. And again, all these are uh, synchronicity, serendipity kinds of discussions we are implicitly having here. Exactly. Because networks get established by serendipity and, and, and you learn stuff by serendipity and weird stuff happens through synchronicity. So here we are uh, trying to be able to understand where we are both personally and uh, environmentally because that's where coincidences take place between self and uh, an object out there but mm -hmm. then there's something about what you know so you 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 kind of know yourself and you kind of yep. know uh your network so where is the what where is knowledge separate from those two things Mm, knowledge can fall under skills that you have. So in this case, Mark Zuckerberg was a programmer. You know, in other cases, you might be a graphic designer. You know, in your case, you have the ability to study people, you know, from a therapist perspective, but also from a someone who studies coincidences. So with those knowledge in the sense of, hey, are there tangible skills that are there that we separate from our network? Because in your network, you can have other people who have skills that are complementary or adjacent to yours. So a typical example in entrepreneurship you see is you'll have a founder who they have, let's say, a background in design, but they don't have the knowledge, the coding knowledge to bring their idea to life. And so what they'll do is then they'll go to their network and they'll ask their friends to go, hey, do you know anyone that can help me code my app idea? I designed it, but I don't know how to build it. Similar to, let's say, you have an architect that drew out the plans for a house but then they don't have a builder to be able to put it together. They find one in networks. So the, the knowledge thing, is separate there. The thing that, that strikes me about Zuckerberg and, and others too, uh, even uh, Jobs um, the, with Apple, is they had all that, the ink that you're talking about, mm -hmm. uh, the, their, 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 who they were, um, their network and their knowledge. Yep. But then the business part of that, to create these businesses out of the, that ink mm -hmm. is still an ink blot of Rorschach, uh, uh, ambiguous to me, is how these guys were able to develop the entrepreneurship that mm -hmm. you are teaching them from, yep. from nothing, that, that, from not having you around or other people to teach them. How do they make such big businesses out of it? Well, it's developed over time. It's a skill. It's similar to, you know, how you train to be a physician, how a you know, professional hockey player trains to be an athlete, how a Formula One race car driver becomes a Formula One race car driver. There are stages to it. So if you look, you know, Steve Jobs having gone to a liberal arts college, you know, studying callig calligraphy, those were all the pieces that helped him then eventually lead up to building Apple. Jeff Bezos at Amazon is another great example. He started young working on computers. So he had access early on to a computer that throughout the ages, he continued to grow and move forward. In my most recent class, I actually showed an example of the founder of a wonderful language learning app called Duolingo. 
And he wanted a video game console. He wanted a Nintendo when it first came out, when he was three. And he was in Guatemala. And instead, what his mom did, instead of buying him the Nintendo, she bought him a computer. And from that time, that led him 20 years down the road to go get his PhD in computer science. Well, now he has, so Duolingo is a unicorn. It's a multi-billion dollar company that's publicly traded, but it started with just his mom's almost coincidental action of buying that computer and get, giving him a chance to develop over time. And he sought out the network and the knowledge. I, I understand the ink part of this. Yep. I don't understand the business part of making the ink into a business. Sure. That, that seems to me, don't people go to business school for something like that? Uh, yeah. Uh, how do you, because I'm looking at this for uh, this podcast and the mm -hmm. coincidence project itself is that we've got a bunch of good ideas running around here. We got a network. We got mm -hmm. knowledge about serendipity, synchronicity. We've, yep. we've, we've got a net uh, We've got my background, which you kind of referred to and the background of the people involved, but how do you then jump this ink stuff, which is still separate to me into like um, uh, something that becomes a business that can be operative out there. Sure. So th there's a stage of steps that we walk through and, you know, yeah, I'd love to, I have a full semester class kind of breaking some of that down, but giving you some of the next steps is then we start looking at different business models. So you start looking and going, okay, well, what's nice is let's say, let's take a podcast, for example, it's bringing in an audience. Well, some of the ways to monetize it, you've got advertising, you can sell online courses, and then you can start looking and go, do I know someone who puts online courses together? And then you start looking at models or what I teach my students is to just do a matrix, Right, start seeing what's out there. What do you like? What do you not like? Um, I'm a big fan of, uh, there's this great product called Masterclass. One of the classes is by the famous designer, the famous designer DVF or Diane von Frustenburg. And basically when she creates her dresses, she creates something called a mood board where she just puts everything on for the dress that she thinks is going to be interesting, the pattern, the fabric, the color. In your case, if you're creating an online course that you want to monetize, Okay, Bernie, what are some of the courses you like? Why do you like them? And then from there, who's your audience for the course? Then after we kind of look at business model, looking at you know, competitive matrix, then you can start to think about, okay, well, how does this make money? You're selling the course, okay. You start doing some back of the number calculations or back of the envelope calculations. You're like, okay, if I sold the course, let's just say it's 50 bucks, right? You sell 10 of them a month. Right. So in one month, you just made 500 bucks throughout the year. You made six grand. OK. I, I think I, I think I understand that. And uh, we might be talking about that a little bit more, but you've got to sell the idea somehow. You've got to put whatever idea you have out there so people will pay for it. That's that's, right. that's the basic idea. Yeah. <laughs> and you can't keep giving it away free in a way that uh, is you got to do that, too to like, to get it going. So there's a place at which you decide, okay, I'm ready to be paid for what I know. And mm -hmm. then you figure, and webinars and uh, classes and courses are ways to do that. Exactly. Well, and, oh, well, and they typically call that the freemium biz, business model. So Duolingo, going back to it, the freemium business model, 97% <laughs> of the people that use our app pay, don't pay for it. So it's free. But the 3% that do pay for their app, 
and Duolingo does have advertising between the advertising and the people that, that pay for their app, they are making anywhere between 150 to $200 million in revenue. <laughs> oh, so that's, that's a, that is a very interesting fact that 3% that you've got right there. Yep. That, that is the freemium that is far out in what we call groovy. Uh, and I, 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 that's, uh, that's, that's there. So let's now move to, um, hey, what's your name, man? Have I met you before? <laughs> I, I, I don't know. Um, hey, wait a minute. Why don't you tell us a coincidence? Why don't you tell us a coincidence story, Mustafa? Sure. And, you know, I, I love the fact that this is a meta meta coincidence story. So I get a chance to share my coincidence story with the person who, you know, I had the coincidence with. And so it really started because, um, you know, it was my first time in the classroom, at least for a long semester long setting. I'd done keynote presentations, one pitch competitions, but it's, it's different teaching a 16 week, you know, semester at graduate school. It's a lot of fun, excited. But in that journey to you know, be a great teacher, I was looking for resources. And as a result, one of the resources that I stumbled across was this book called Scenarios. Because I was thinking to myself, what's the best way to teach entrepreneurship? I think the best way is through scenarios, similar to martial art. You, know, you practice what you're going to encounter. At the same token, I was reading a book in a completely separate discipline. Because one of the things I tell my students is, you know, in order to be a good entrepreneur, you have to lead. Well, in order to lead, you have to know parts of yourself, how you operate. And so I, I stumbled across this book called Synchronicity. So it was interesting because it was late at night. I just stumbled across this book. I'm typing away on my computer. The bright screen lights are hitting me. And I go, oh, I have to reach out to this person. The book is fantastic. Scroll down to the author and I see this name. And I look, I was like, wait a second. I think I've seen this name before. And I go to my Kindle on my computer. I flip it open to the scenarios book and it happens to be the same author. And in that moment, it felt like the world had just shattered. I was like, what are the chances? The guy who wrote the scenarios book wrote this book called Synchronicity. That's exactly right. And so are, the author, are, are we going to hear his name one of these days? Yeah, I was about to say. So his, the author of that book, both scenarios and synchronicity was Joseph Jaworski. And the fascinating part about that too, in a completely separate area, I was considering looking at programs that I was interested in. And before we keep going here, because the word scenarios has a lot of different meanings to people. Sure. And you, you referred to it as like practicing in an athletic form. Uh, mm -hmm. please, please describe scenarios because uh, Jaworski got into that a bit in his synchronicity book and more later in the scenarios book. So what, what and he's a very, very, a well-known business consultant. Yes, he is. Uh, he's, he's big out there with his book, Synchronicity, being uh, a step, a big step for him as he learned about synchronicity in getting into the business world and making a huge life transition, um, including meeting his wife in an airport, which I really like that story. Yeah. I, I mean, that story, I'm going to say it for a minute. He's in an airport. He sees a woman walk by and he gets this sense 
she's the one and he just runs up to her and says hi <laughs> waves himself around and somehow she doesn't go on the plane and they get married and it lasts 20 years and it's important for people to know that that marriage also ended that that he did a lot for her and she did a lot for him and then it was over none of the, sometimes these things don't last forever and it's important to keep that in mind and that one didn't but that was a, a one of my favorite coincidence stories is like you you got to be able to act on the moment and to maybe make it happen it's just the it's not it's not going to happen unless you do something so that's joseph jaworski's synchronicity but you're going to tell us about what scenarios is about yep so scenarios and you know, Jaworski's work on scenarios was fascinating because it's based off of his time at Shell, where, you know, it was early on in the process, long before oil companies were thinking about environment being environmentally friendly. And he was in charge of thinking about environmentally friendly scenarios for Shell, where basically they would game out like option one, option two, option three. And, you know, you could do the numbers and you could do the data. But what he realized is he was telling a story. He started crafting a scenario in which people could actually envision themselves in that situation. And as a result, he noticed that the transformation was much easier at a large organization like Cell, excuse me, Shell, just by teaching those scenarios. So, so this would be picking up three possible scenarios. Mm -hmm. uh, and I call those expectation videos. It's the way, because I like the term expectation in there because yeah. it's future oriented. These scenarios are future possibilities. And I think that's an important part to get into this. And that's, that's a very big part of making coincidences happen sometimes is imagining that is having an intention and then letting it go. But part of it, as in sports, as you were referring to, is imagining as I did it, running the opening kickoff back for a touchdown, which yeah. I did. And it's so much fun to make it happen, but you practice it by imagining it. But here, when you have three different scenarios, you get to run through each one of them as a business person. It's different than on a sports field. And you yep. get to then see how they play out. Exactly and that, right. that's what you're exactly trying to be right. able to say. That's exactly it. Right. And, and it's tied together. So, yeah, I, that's what I love is a beautiful harmony of a podcast can bring these ideas together from different perspectives and in different ways. And so, you know, what was nice is the connection between scenarios and synchronicity is that part of those scenarios to your point happen in ways that you may not have envisioned, but the end point can be the same. You're like running back the kickoff. You're like, I'm not sure how it's going to happen, but it did happen. And you're like, wow, I just never thought this piece and that piece would have led to this opportunity opening up. That's such a very, very important uh, point, Mustafa, uh, that you, you, you imagine the outcome, but you yeah. don't necessarily, and it's not a good thing, to be able to do all the details in between, which some obsessively detailed people will try to start to do and sure. need to be prevented from doing that so you have an idea about how you where you want to go and a sum of an idea like i had to carry the ball yeah <laughs> and guys had to block yeah. i had to catch the ball when the kickoff I and mean, the certain basic exactly. thing you have to do but then you leave it alone and it's yeah. it's some people call it putting the thought form out there 
yep. and letting it kind of do something in the psychosphere that and the ment- our mental atmosphere that yep. somehow helps make it happen. Who knows how that works? Yep. It, one of my favorite terms for it comes from animators, which is in betweening, where it, you know effectively animators draw the first frame and then they draw the last frame. And then they figure out what's going to go in between. So, you know, you throw ball, you throw the ball here, the ball lands here. Well, eventually you've got to figure out the frames in between. In betweening is a wonderful concept, Mustafa. Yep. That's wonderful. In betweening. There's a lot of in betweening that I'm not going to get into right now, except for uh, to say that um, that uh, that. <laughs> Chopra, in teaching meditation, uh, thinks about being able to get to higher levels of consciousness mm-hmm. in the space between thoughts. I love it. <laughs> I love it. It's a different form of, of but in betweenness, yep. there's something something that happens in there. <laughs> you can you understand that? So yes. anyway, so you saw these two books by by the same guy and surprised to see that synchronicity and scenarios were written by joseph jaworski yep. uh, who i had a wonderful chance to interview on my uh, or one of my earlier shows uh, he has some great stories too uh, about synchronicity early on in waco texas mm-hmm. but that's another story so then what happened with you of course so at the same time um i was reading a book on zen because I realized that part of good entrepreneurship is you have to be able to receive the idea or be able to be open enough to take something in. And interestingly enough, in the opening chapter of that Zen book was a reference to synchronicity and Carl Jung. So it was in that moment that I was like, what, what is going on here? I've got to figure this out. So I pick up you know, Carl Jung's paper by, on synchronicity and a causal events. And then before I know it, I'm at Google, I'm searching, hey, is there anyone researching this right now? Because I was like, I, I need to talk to someone about it. So I type in a name and as I do, I leave for the day, I'm going to a meeting, right? And I'm going to meet with a friend. I find this incredible researcher. I was like, wow, the, his tagline on his website at the time was, you know, effectively, and I'm paraphrasing here, but, you know, the first modern researcher since Jung to study coincidences, synchronicity, and I was like, what are the chances? And then I was like, okay, I saw a phone number. Let me, let me call, I call him, you know? And I remember something along the lines of, I was just, I was, want to say, I was kind of confused. Like I, I need answers, leave this voice message. And, you know, part of me is expecting him to not pick up. Part of me is, but I was like, all right, let me run to the meeting. So I tell my friend this whole story of all the crazy coincidences that are going on. And I finally get to the part of, I'm like, yeah, and I just left this message with the researcher. And, you know, I had my phone on the table just like this. I say the researcher's name and boom, it pops up right on my phone. And my friend just looks at me. He's like, did, did you time that? I was like, no, I did not time that at all whatsoever. He's like, are you going to take it? I was like, yes. Are you okay with that? He's like, absolutely. I can't believe that he called you at the same time. And that researcher was you. And so it was crazy to think that we'd met through a coincidence. And, you know, what led me to you was a series of different coincidences and things that seem very a causal. 
things that initially at surface level did not seem to connect whatsoever. But once I started digging in, I was like, wow, these are all connected. Well, that's a lot of connection. I, 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 I love the story. Um, uh, and the timing of my calling you when you're talking about me. Yeah. Uh, happened uh, when I was just in Virginia Beach. Two people who are part of the Coincidence Project were talking about me. And the phone rings. <laughs> and it's me. <laughs> while well, well, they're talking about me in the and it was they're talking on the phone to each other uh, right. and stuff like that happens and since these are two stories i think it's happened other times so you uh, are also a curious kind of guy yeah how do you understand this and i'll, I'll summarize some of this uh jaworski mm -hmm. and synchronicity and scenarios mm -hmm. and then uh, the Zen book, Synchronicity, then having to look on Google and coming across me. I don't know where you got my phone number. I, I don't know how it was out there, but it somehow you got that. It's not that evident. And I don't know. That's a part of this that I don't understand. But somehow, <laughs> somehow you got my phone number. And yeah. for some reason, I decided to call you. I mean, those are all parts of this and being able to look at coincidences and that's one between you and me mm -hmm. is like to try to understand both people's perspective on it, because yep. a lot of these things we tend to be just about me. Right. Uh, it, oh, wow, it happened to me. Wow, 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 wow. When there's also a me, other me out there, which is happened to be in this case, one of us, one of the other me's, you, me, you. Yep. It's on the other me in this one. So why don't we why don't we now go on to, to what the other me was me? What was the what happened to me as a result of of this phone call to you? Yeah, I, I would love to hear that. I'd love to hear, you know, I, I'm getting a chance for the first time. Also hear your side of like, you know, what what led to you calling back and going through it? So I'm excited. Well, um, I Go didn't, uh, it, there's something, there was something compelling about the message you left. Hmm. There was something, um, I'm not urgent exactly, but something that there was like a lot of uh, something in there. Uh, and I have to all do this uh, intuitively. Uh, this is, intu intuition's a funny thing. You got to hone it with rationality and just, yep. I have so much time and et cetera. But there was, I had, I, I just like Jaworski seeing this woman walking down uh, uh, one of the corridors at, Air, at the Chicago O'Hare airport, she could see, I could feel there was something here. And that's why I called. And the result of that for me was that uh, I got, I shall be released. I was released from a prison <laughs> of a difficult relationship uh in my previous uh radio show podcast thing it just wasn't working yeah. and uh it was really much more arduous than it had to be for me to get out of that i made it uh, i made it beautifully difficult it was like i could find so many ways to make it hard not to do it mm. but with your help i did it and now we've got this like 23rd podcast 23 is my number, my, one of my lucky numbers. It was mine, is my, wasn't, probably still is in some way, my number. You're number 23. Oh. And, 
and this 23 was a meaning to me change. This is change. I don't know how much of a change it's going to be, but the change is going to be trying to get this podcast that you helped me get going, that you meh, meh, patiently and in your own time, too, we have to admit, because yeah. sure. where was Mustafa was a lot of the, a lot of what happened again. Uh, yeah. But you were there enough. And at the right time, it turns out for me to be able to start doing this uh, and to have a. Uh, the uh, Chopra on my show before this one, before I'm talking to you, to get to a place where we could start getting out there. And now I know we have something that's really good. And I've got another book coming out in a year. There's something here that's solidifying that you help make happen. And I thank you again for your participation in this and Joseph Jaworski's indirect angel help in this as well. Sure. Well, Bernie, thank you. And I'm just as grateful. It's been an honor working with you. And, and I think in terms of timing, we, we always ended up being at the right time with each other. That's why, that's why I, I, where's Mustafa? Yeah. Okay. Now he shows up. It was good timing. Right? <laughs> I mean, it was always good timing. So it, it, even, it, yeah, it wasn't expected timing, but it was good timing. And it's important for everybody to know that, that just because you think it should be this way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. At, at times, you know, I've learned and, you know, doing some of the consulting and entrepreneurship work I've gotten a chance to do, you know, what's funny is at times you don't know that the universe is giving you the distance you need. At the time, it doesn't feel that way. Um, but with this, you know, tying back to the story that you shared, I, it was an honor to be able to help you really understand that you have something here, you know, with all of your studies, all of the work you've done, all of the people you've helped. And that was one of the striking things when we, we were talking and I'm really glad I left that voice message because there was a certain sense of what I like to call flow and urgency behind it. Urgency in the sense of the deep burning desire to find an answer to this. Because I know the universe was kind of knocking at my door. And with that kind of going through it, and I was just blown away on your podcast. Even now you have incredible guests like Deepak Chopra come on and talk about this. And uh, the way in which they talk about it too. They're like, oh, I just experience this every day. It's almost as if they wake up and drink water like that. And you're like, wait a second, like we're not getting a chance to talk about it at that level. And so to get a chance to kind of help you frame your thoughts around, well, wait a second, you know, media with the tools and modern technology, you're able to create something like this on your own, right? With all the technology and help you have, and it gets a chance to change lives. And I think the beauty of it too is being able to create on your own terms. You know, you have your own creativity, you can create on your terms and allows for a sense of freedom because now you can have who you want on your podcast, when you want it, share the full story, have the conversation and do it in a meaningful and intentional way. And I think that's the most important part. And there's a freedom involved here to expand uh, you know, the previous show, as you in, in, indirectly indicated, had a lot of commercials on it. So I had to break every 15 minutes or so, 12 minutes. And now we don't have that. We can we can get into the flow. And that's probably the best thing that's happened out of all of this. It just in terms of the interviews, they don't have to say, well, we have run to the end of this. I don't have to do that end of this segment. We can just keep going and see how see where it goes. So it becomes uh, yet more um, serendipitous to yes. see, or like it's jazz. It's just playing around. Yep. Now, you you um, had a burning desire 
to figure out to chase this synchronicity thing down because of these several co coincidences that you ran into with the feeling that they gave you that I felt when you called me I, I, and, I, and I have a better idea of how you got to me. Yep. And when you say burning, mm -hmm. it sure sounds like Bernie. Uh, and, and like burning Biteman as sometimes like, and Biteman is a pretty aggressive, at least in English name, uh, mm -hmm. bite man. So I play with words a lot, but sure. bite also means B-Y-T-E as in mm -hmm. computer bits. And, yep. and in Hebrew, uh, bite, B-E-I-T or B-T means, um, means home. So mm -hmm. bite has three different meanings, quite different. Uh, yep. One, the, the, the computer, the, the aggressive, and the just home. Uh, so mm -hmm. I get to play with that. But when I hear burning Biteman, it's very aggressive. Uh, and we get to burning. And through burning, we go to Rumi. And mm -hmm. through burning and Rumi, uh, we get to hear how Rumi, and particularly some aspects of Rumi they're going to tell us about, help you not only uh, manifest coincidences, synchronicities, serendipities, but also help you manage them. So could you tell us about Rumi and uh, meaningful coincidences? Sure. So growing up, I, I, I'm Bengali and I'm a proud Bengali. And what was interesting is uh, growing up all throughout my childhood. There Wait were... a minute, you're Bengali? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, I, I've, I've never told you I was from, that I was in Dhaka for six weeks. Small world. My my mom's family still lives in Taka. So, oh man, I didn't. I had. I just didn't know that. Yep. Uh, and I, the, my favorite curry was from a uh, our cook who studied in Calcutta, and it was bamboo curry mm. and fresh from the marketplace. But we can talk about that another time. So you're talking about your Bengali. <laughs> Uh, heritage. I think it's wonderful just to run across that one. So go ahead. Oh, absolutely. And, and it's interesting because you grow up in, I, I grew up with, you know, my parents both telling me stories of whether it be Rumi or Robin Rona Tagore, Kazina's really Tagore, 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 yeah, Tagore. And it's fascinating to go, you don't really realize it, but it's kind of like soil for plants. Like you just grow up and those are nutrients that are in there. And, um, yeah, I was looking for answers because the beautiful thing about coincidences, synchronicity, and it ties into flow is at times it is so different than a normal everyday operating system. You know, it, you know, even the language sometimes people use about showing up to work is it's a grind and, you know, I just got to put my nose to the grindstone. And for me, it didn't, it felt the opposite. You know, it felt like with the synchronicities that led to you, I was doing what I was meant to do, um, working on my destiny. And what's really interesting is Rumi, again, came into my life at the right time, almost coincidentally, is a lot of his writing allows me to kind of open myself up more to the world of coincidences and synchronicity, because I think he, he does this beautiful job of explaining it in ways that you're like, oh, yeah, you just have words for things that I'm experiencing, but I didn't have a language for. Uh, I'm going to paraphrase one of them that really help, hits home with me. And each time I experience a coincidence or a synchronicity, I go back to it, which is, you know, an intellectual points to uh, smoke and says there's fire, whereas the mystic sits inside the burning. Say, I, and, and the mystic what? And the mystic sits inside of the burning. So there's smoke 
and there's fire and the, and the regular person says where there's smoke, there's fire, but the mystic sits in where it's burning. Exactly. Right. Exactly. And for most people, that sounds painful. But when you actually think about it from the perspective of at times, coincidences are meant to help you go in the direction you want to go. And as a result, sometimes there's changes and there's growth that occurs from that. And just like working out a muscle, sometimes you're like, oh, that hurt for a little bit, but then you realize it was actually to help you move in the right direction. And so I go back to that quote a lot because to your point, you set that intention, you let it go and it comes back in ways that you can't expect. Part of it is letting go of the conception of it. So there's this wonderful, it ties into Rumi. There's this wonderful- Would you please describe what it means? I want to hear what you were saying. What do you mean by letting go of the conception of it? Sure. So it could be you know, even your podcast, right? I mean, part of what we were working through at times is, you know, you were working through the vision inside of how it was to how it can be changed. You're like, well, th this is working. But then watching your progression, you were actually letting go of, wait a second, maybe I can let go of this frame and move to a newer frame where I can create how I want to create. And you start to build into that vision that moment in between where you let go of one idea to almost surrender to the new one. You're like, you know what? I can, you know, have control over my podcast. Now I can post when I want to, I can have the freedom that I want. And that it, it feels scary. Entrepreneurs go through that all the time. Sometimes you have to let go of what you thought your original company or idea was, and instead follow your users, follow your intuition to go to where you think it's going to be. There's a great Lao Tzu quote that really hits home for this is I let go of who I think I am. So I might become who I might be. <laughs> Same idea. <laughs> and the scary part of it is this in-between thing. Uh, that yeah. uh, One of the people early on uh, uh, in this podcast in 2.0 was like, uh, likes to be uh, in between the third and fourth dimension it's an in-betweener for her she's, yep. she's in both places this in-between thing we tend to have in the western world to emphasize the thing it's the thing itself that's yeah. but what we now are getting to more and more is the space between where it looks like there's nothing yep and it's in that emptiness that is the fullness uh the fullness of richness of the potential that's in the emptiness. And yeah. that's where nothing is everything. Mm -hmm. uh, and everything mm -hmm. is nothing, which is not such a bad thing. It's like it's just becomes zero equals the inf infinity is the way I tend to like to think about that. Yep. And it goes back to Rumi of, again, paraphrasing one of his quotes. And he goes, you know, why are you acting so small? right? You're an, you are an entire universe in a grain of sand. And just that idea of, wait a second, a universe in a grain of sand and vice versa, you're like, wow, you know, it's, it's that idea of your relationship with the infinite is really, really powerful. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm just sitting with that for a bit um, to be able to like feel that um, that infinite everything, nothing, which seems so opposite and yet are not. Um, 
Well, that's wonderful uh, talking with you about this. We're we're needing to 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 come to a a close today, and I just uh, what else do you want to tell us before we uh, wrap this one up? Or you know, t- tying it in and putting a pretty bow on it. One is the in between space, which I think we got a chance to talk about. That that void is where you get some of your best ideas. That's where you get a chance to create because you realize that it is through that freedom that you really have freedom of expression. So that's number one. Right? How you do you exp- explain that a bit, please? Sure. So when you look, and it reminds me of that, uh, of I, th- I, I want to say it's a Zen parable or an anecdote, whatever we call it. It's this idea of you can't keep pouring tea into a full cup right? It overflows. Part of the void is all of a sudden when you empty your teacup is you you sit with your stillness, you can have really powerful entrepreneurial ideas. Uh, There's a great podcaster, Tim Ferriss. He has a great book called Tools of Titans. And if you, if you kind of get under the hood, it looks, he basically did a qualitative analysis of just some of the best entrepreneurs, venture capitalists, and founders in the world. And he saw that a common thread through almost all of them was meditation. And so you, you see that they're trying to kind of you know, stop the noise for the day to kind of sit and go, wow, okay, hold on. Like in this void of stillness, new ideas can come up. And I also think um, Peter Drucker, great management thinker, totally underrated, underrated, says it best. And again, I'm paraphrasing here, which is, you know, if you only have five minutes of time, you can only think about things you're already thinking about. You need larger chunks of time to think about new things. Because it gives you that kind of stillness that's, you know, sputtering, that wandering to all of a sudden uh, stumble onto something. So for those of you that are, you know, on the fence, for those of your audience members that are on the fence about creating, whether it be a creative project, nonprofit, entrepreneurial, even a podcast, you know, take some time and create out of that void of stillness, not where people are telling you you should do it, but where, you know, something inside your muse, your genius, whatever you want to call it, the intuition that's moving you forward. Give that the space to move forward. Uh, a great mentor of mine calls it the duri, and just he he even get a, it gave me a slogan for it. It's let the moose be the moose. So you know my nickname's Moose. Just run with it. So if anything, I just want to pass that on to all of your audience members. I know that you know if they're here, if they're watching this video, there's something that pulled them to this. There's a reason for it. As, 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 especially if they especially if they last if they. They listen to the whole thing uh, because we just created a, a tapestry of ideas um, in this discussion that yeah. can be it's useful to me uh, hearing what we've just talked about. In a way, this is kind of a, a an open space uh, where we can have two minds kind of just seeing what happens uh, and you know, based on each what, what we have. So we're we're thinking in this is a between space and that's what. I really like doing this, talking to different people and not just about, you know, you know, what happened yesterday or something, but ideas that are percolating in their minds and are percolating in mine. And we can like see what happens when they come together. And I don't remember what happens. I have to go. I have to go listen to these podcasts and I say, wow, there's some interesting things in there. Maybe I talk too much. I worry about that sometimes, but that's a lot of us probably do that worry too much about the things we don't have to worry about, but there's a lot of good ideas and you have some, and a lot of people on this, on the show have them. And 
I think we really have a, a gem of ideas floating around in here. And uh, somehow in this number 23 that you are, and my need to kind of like get it out with Deepak Chopra, kind of giving this a nice little push of getting people, other people involved with this. Uh, the idea of a webinar or a, a, a series to send to sell or the 3% number, that number is going to stick with me uh, that this 3% makes the money on this. I, I, that's a, an important number uh, in looking about bell-shaped curves, but it's, it's a different kind of skew on this one, that 3%. It's like it's yeah. a different, the bell-shaped curve doesn't fit everything and certainly doesn't this one. So that's a, those are some key ideas I'm going to remember from here. So I want to thank you very much, uh, Mustafa, for hanging out with me this way. So we could record it and, and look back at it instead of just, it just passed. Uh, we can look at this. I'll look at it I'll, and, I, and you probably will sometime and see yep. what did we talk about here? What can, what can we get out of this in some kind of other stillness? So yep. thank you very much for, uh, for being with me today. Oh, well, Ber Bernie, thank you for having me on. I'm excited. And it's always a pleasure to get a chance to talk to you uh, because you're a wide ranging intellectual who also can see that, hey, you know what? Sometimes the universe is speaking to you. Sometimes it, whatever the universe is. And that's another question some other time. It's a way that universe thing I get bothered by because it's so big and I can't conceptualize it. Doesn't mean it's not there. It is. But I, I, I got if I got to find out who's talking to me, I want to say who's talking to me. Where are you? <laughs> I got to label right. it a little bit better. But that's just me, too. So thanks again, Mustafa. Of course. This is a mental atmosphere like a hologram of cosmic consciousness.